Hi, I'm Brandon. And I'm Megan. For years, we were stuck in a rut, always complaining that nothing ever changed for us. And then we realized, if we wanted to improve our lives, we had to put in the work. Each week on this podcast, we'll get into an aspect of personal growth, relationships, or just life. Through our own experiences and guest interviews, we hope to inspire you to make your own positive changes. Welcome Welcome to to the the Fools in Love Love Podcast. You guys, I cannot even contain my excitement today because today we have Jasmine Starr on the podcast. If you don't know Jasmine, well, you should. Forbes Magazine recently called Jasmine an entrepreneur's go-to guide for social media presence. She is a photographer and business strategist who is educating others on how to build the business of their dreams. Thanks for being here today, Jasmine. I am so happy to be here. Thank you, guys. Welcome, Jasmine. So first things first, I have to say congratulations to you and JD on becoming parents this week. Unbelievable. Uh, we are, we're still besides ourselves. Like it's half of me believes that it happened and half of me thinks I'm going to wake up from a dream, but it's been amazing. Oh, so I know this has nothing to do with this interview at all, but on Wednesday night, Brandon was busting into my daughter's our daughter's room when I was putting her to bed, like Meg, Jasmine has a baby. We seriously interrupted our bedtime in our household to watch you hold Luna and teach on Facebook. Now that is mom goals. You know what? It, you know what? It's so crazy because we were placed with Luna on Sunday. So that was about five days ago. And we spent just like the first few days, just, you know, not really on social media, just trying to figure out what it meant to be a family because it hit us out of the blue. Like we had only ever known that Luna was even available to come into our life just a week ago. And so it took like a very quick shift in like our approach with our team, with our families. And so we spent just like a few days and I really wanted to be thoughtful about how I introduced her. And then of course, with social media, I, you know, I'm still working like, like business as usual. I will take a maternity leave, but I wasn't planning on this. So I got to finish out my commitments. And so there I am doing a Facebook live. And then in the background, my not so stealth husband carries a baby quickly through the background. And people are like, is that a baby? Is there a baby? Is there a baby? <laughs> yes. And I couldn't ignore all the comments. And I'm like, oh, this is not what I expected. But there it happened right in real life. You know, she made her first debut on Facebook and um, it was very special. Oh, I love it. All right. So we'll get down to business now. For those who may not know you yet, can you just tell us a little bit more about what you do and how you even got to this point? Yes. So I am a photographer and business strategist. My career started first and foremost when I dropped out of law school. My mom had brain cancer and it was just like this wake up call for me to really understand that life is short and I didn't want to live my life wondering what if. So instead of taking like the academic safe path, uh, we decided to start a business as a photographer. And within a few short years, I was internationally recognized for my work, for building a business. And I was lucky enough to start teaching other photographers how to run a successful business. And then that parlayed into me empowering business owners, creative business owners specifically, started consulting. And then lo and behold, I just was a practitioner of everything that I was telling people to do. And people saw that it had big effects in my business. And I started teaching others along the way. And now, you know, 2020 is here and still a photographer, but also really strongly standing in my purpose of empowering business owners to build a brand and market it on social media. 
Yeah, I'm so glad to hear your story includes kind of that total pivot, you know, the law school to photography, because I think it really brings up a great point. And when you start a new project, a new hustle, it's 100% okay to not know what you're doing in that moment and just start from square one. But even still, did you ever feel like when you first started out that you didn't measure up or how did you work to overcome any feelings that you had like that? You know, the, the, I think that I think the proper terminology is imposter syndrome. It's the belief that somebody else knows more, does more, has more, and is more. And they are the people who should be talking and teaching and creating. And they should be in the places of power and authority and dissemination of information. And I really do think that any business owner, specifically a creative business owner, will always come up against the should I be saying this? What are people going to think? And I don't think there has ever been a point in my career that I haven't battled with the very similar feelings of, should I be doing this? Should I be saying this? Uh, What are people going to think? And now that I have been an entrepreneur for 13 years, I am less intimidated by the negative voices in my mind because Most of the time, when people hear negative voices in their mind, it stops them. Nobody in the world stops them from pursuing their dream or their passion. They do because they live in an alternative universe where your thoughts are reality, but your thoughts are not your reality. Only reality is reality, and you get to shape what that is to become. And so, do I struggle with feeling inadequate? Yes. You know, the conversation started with like an intro. It's like Jasmine Starr was noted by Forbes. And I'm like, who? That way, what? (laughs) what, what? How did that happen? So yes, a hundred percent. But I think that success goes to those who remain undaunted. And I don't think that I am anyone special or unique. And I don't think I possess anything that somebody else does not have. But what I do understand is that even when I hear the voices of negativity or doubt or fear, I can move past them. And I believe that we all have the capability of doing the same. Absolutely. I 100% agree. I feel like we all struggle with that and we all just have to learn to be like, you know what? Be quiet in there. I can do this anyway. Exactly. So, <laughs> so I remember about a year ago, you posted a video online and I just couldn't help to sh- but share it to my Facebook page because it struck such a chord. You were talking about side hustles and how basically they're just seen as something cutesy, like, oh, how's that little hobby of yours going? But you fully support the side hustle. For those of us still in a side hustle phase, what are the advantages of this stage? Okay. In addition to wearing the varsity jacket for the imposter syndrome squad, I am like president (laughs) of the side hustle fan club. I really do. I really, I believe it is so advantageous for constant iterations of business owners because I think like I want to be very clear and, and, and state and, and dismantle a misnomer. And people believe that once you have your dream career or once you get the thing that you've been working for, then there's no other need for a side hustle. And I am quite the opposite. I believe that we have our strongest revenue generators. Some of us, our strongest revenue generator is, you know, your cubicle job or what you're doing full time for insurance, for your family to pay your mortgage. Like that's your main revenue generator. And then you have a side hustle, something that gives you life and passion that you hope one day will become your career, which I love. But I can currently say that like, 
my revenue generator doing my dream job as a photographer. Cause there was a point where I was, I wasn't even working in a cubicle. I was working in like a, like a utility shed that they decided to turn into an office, no windows, like a pull, like a drawstring light in there. It's like <laughs> literally like every bad thing you can imagine. Like that was my space and that's where I dwelled. And I always had this dream, like I'm going to be a photographer. I'm going to be a photographer. And once I am a photographer, then that's it. And you know, what I realized was like, uh, seven, eight years being a photographer, I realized that there's a power of the side hustle because the side hustle keeps you hungry. The side hustle keeps you interested. The side hustle keeps you innovative and the, the, the side hustle keeps you interesting. And so I don't ever think, you know, Brandon had mentioned, oh, you know, Jasmine, that big pivot. And I was like, yes, on the outside, everyone's like, oh, that was a strategic business pivot. And I'm like, yo, this was a side, this pivot started off as a side hustle. And then the side hustle became the main thing. And for me to ever think that this will be in perpetuity, my main thing, I'm just too young to think that way. I think there's going to be constant iterations, constant pivots, and it will always be as a result of a side hustle because a side hustle is beautiful because there's no pressure on it. It's like you're having a love affair. You know, I mean, no, you guys are the fools in the podcast. I am all about being, you know, being monogamous. Okay. Totally that. But it is, it's fun to have a little fun with something on the side without any pressure of commitment and say, what does it look like to explore? And the side hustle really helps you stay honed in to your main revenue generator until it becomes your main revenue generator. Oh, I love that because that's that's exactly it. I mean, you you get a chance to explore and I always talk about how we're in an area of like exploration. Like we're just trying to see what's next and you hit the nail on the head. Like I don't think you ever have to like firmly place your feet and plant them and say, this is what I am. Like I'm Jasmine and I'm a photographer. No, like you can be Jasmine, a photographer and Jasmine, a social media, you know, evangelist and Jasmine, you know, add on to the list. But like you said, it always just keeps you hungry and keeps you able to kind of keep your eyes on the future. Right. And so I, I love that. And, you know, I should probably take a second, Brendan, and like there was a time that I was embarrassed of that fact, embarrassed that uh, I was in, in probably the early part of my career, I was marginalized because I was using. Uh, non-conventional tools to market and build my business. Now let's just go back to like 2007, 2008, like social media was just starting. And so there were other really established photographers in the field. And then they saw me using things like Twitter and Facebook. And they're like, Oh, nobody cares about her lunch. Like this is like, bless her heart, pat her on the head <laughs> and be like, Jasmine star isn't a photographer. Jasmine star is a business person. Like if I distinctly remember what they had said was I could be mopping floors or having a pizza shop and I would still be taking the same approach. And looking back at that Jasmine who read that comment in 2008, it was like, I was, heart I was heartbroken because I felt like I was never accepted into the artistic community. And it bothered me on multiple levels because I did come from a family who mopped floors. I did hail from janitors and cooks and cleaning ladies. And it felt like such a personal affront. And what those words became, the she's just a business owner, she's just using free tools, that has the, the bricks that they threw at me became the foundation for what my business and brand would become. So as people are getting ridiculed for doing something different or people are leveraging a side hustle to empower them to think differently, when people cast opinions and doubt, like please understand that what they hurl at you will be the foundation for the thing that you step onto and over their opinions and doubts. Incredible. Incredible. 
So the biggest question that always comes up when we're talking to people about their side hustle, side gig, whatever we decide to call it, is when do you know is the time to take that leap of faith from making it like a side hustle to making it like a full-time all-out business? Well, I'm a girl from the hood. Like my parents are immigrant. Or my dad is an immigrant from Mexico. My mom is from Puerto Rico. And we... I mean, I grew up on government assistance. Like we, our church was the people who donated Christmas gifts. Like when we talk about the simplicity of life, like that's where I hail from. I saw my parents lose their house twice. I, you know, our family didn't own a car. We took the bus. So I think from a financial perspective, I'm ultra conservative. So you will never hear me say like, pull out a credit card and Mm. buy everything and, you know, sweat it out, work it. Like, no, not at all. For me and the decision that I made, and I am not at all telling other people to make a similar decision, I can only talk about my experience, was when it came time to really start forecasting when I would be able to leave my job, my goal was to work my work my job and then any money I made from my side hustle, I was just putting a portion of it into investing into the business. Like buying a camera lens and I was only buying anything cash. If I didn't, if I could not pay for it hundred percent outright, then I wasn't getting it. So I would put a portion of whatever I made and let's go back. Like, let's get granular. It's like I was getting paid. I was shooting for over a year for free. And then when I started shooting for payments, it was somewhere in the ballpark of like $150 to be shooting all day with another photographer as an assistant and things of that nature. So really micro micro payments. I would be taking a small percentage, uh, putting it in a bank account for reinvesting in my business for gear. And then the rest of it, I was just saving. And once I had saved enough that would supplant, that would take over what my income was for eight months. And that included insurance because I worked like I, when my husband and I got married, I was the one who carried the insurance. So we had to pay for insurance out of pocket and I had to at least have enough revenue, enough money saved for eight months. And my husband was still working. He was with a startup company at the time. So I said, I'm going to give myself eight months because that will give me enough runway to determine whether or not I would be able to get clients to offset once my, my money ran out. And as a result of that, I just said, worst case scenario, at the end of eight months, I find a job. I either go back to the job I had, which I ended amicably. It was so sweet. My manager at the time, when I left, he was so sweet. His name is Lauren Liu. He gave me a CF card, like a digital card. And he said, we wish you all the best. I knew that in eight months, if I wanted to go back, I would absolutely be able to get that job. And even if I couldn't, I'm an employable person. I would find a job. So I was like, worst case scenario, I go back and find a job for eight months. But for the next eight months, I'm just going to put 100% of my hustle into focusing and making this thing work. And lo and behold, within the first three to four months, I had already you know, earned my ninth month and then my 10th month. And then I never had to look back after that. So for me, the magic number was around eight months. Yeah. I think that's like a really, really smart way to look at it that you actually think it through, decide how long you have to make it work and then go from there. So I love that advice. But let's talk some social media presence. When you're trying to grow businesses on social, what's the best way to set yourself apart and start finding potential customers or clients? Oftentimes, I I like to flip the script because the conversation becomes, well, how do you find clients? And I get that, but I'm going to invite us to reframe it slightly. It's how do we start conversations? Because when you go in with the intention of customers and clients, you only ever see it through that lens 
oh, pun intended, as a photographer. <laughs> you only ever see it. You only ever see it from that perspective, right? And so every, every action you take is measured against how do I get more customers? And I understand that that could be the overarching goal. But if you're just getting started or if you're really overwhelmed because you're like, I'm in a sea of other people who do what I do, then I would not start the conversation with how do I get customers? I would start the conversation with how do I start conversations? Because you're going to have a very, very hard time converting a customer on social media without having the depth and the breadth of conversations. And so I know that there's this natural push away from people saying, yeah, Jasmine, I'm not on social media to make friends. I get that. Jasmine, I'm not on social media to make content. Okay. I get that. Jasmine, I don't want to use social media just as another thing in my business. And I get that too. These are all very valid points, but you cannot get sales without doing those things. Now I'm talking from a strictly organic perspective. If we're going to have like a paid versus organic conversation, then we're going to have a very different conversation. But I'm guessing if the vast majority of people are sitting here with a side hustle, you probably don't have, you know, two to $7,000 a month to be paying to be paying for paid advertisement on Facebook and Instagram. So unless you guys would like me to speak in that capacity, we can focus on organic. And right now, organic, even though it's shrinking on Facebook and even though it's shrinking on Instagram, it's still the only way that you're going to really get people's attention. Because if you go out and every post or every other post is like, buy my thing, buy my thing, buy my thing, nobody's going to respond to that. And then your engagement drops and less people see your post and you're like, see, it's not working. It's not like it doesn't work because we see it working for hundreds of thousands of people and it works so well. So the reason it's working well is because the sales pitches aren't sales pitches. They're just conversations that ultimately over time turn into a conversion. So how do you stick out? Create content in a way that you would introduce yourself at like a wedding reception. Because people say, well, how would you introduce yourself at a business mixer? And I don't know about people listening, but like going to like a business mixer is like, hi, where are you? What are you from? What do you do? How many social followers do you have? Give me your business card. And I'm like, oh, can't stand that. Like at a wedding reception, you're just in a room like full of strangers sipping on champagne. And it's like, we got an hour to kill before the food arrives. Let's make small talk. Like that's my barometer is I go in and when I create content, it's how do you be the most interesting person at a wedding reception, right? Like you just start conversations. Like uh, let's get some, something into something granular. When it comes to writing an effective caption specifically for Instagram, but this also works very well on LinkedIn and on Facebook, is you want to start with the, what I call the anatomy of a caption. Number one, you want to hook them in. You want to stop somebody scrolling and you have to do that within the first two lines of an Instagram post. So if the first two lines of your Instagram post aren't like engaging, compelling, or interesting, they're never going to read on the click more. And you want people reading on the click more because that leads you to the second component of the anatomy of a caption. And that's what I call insights. Two to three interesting things about you. Remember, let's go back to the wedding reception. Like, oh, you know, I just adopted a baby. I'm married to my high school sweetheart. My mom survived brain cancer. Those are all insights that I could possibly be talking to people in a random conversation. And that leads us to the final section of the anatomy of a caption. And that's the CTA, the call to action. Like, what do you want people to do after they read your post? Is it um, leave a comment? Is it tag a friend? Is it sign up for my newsletter? Is it sign up for my course? Is it like DM me for more information? So the anatomy of a caption to really stick out in a saturated market is what I call HIC, H-I-C, hook, insights, and call to action. 
focus on that and write them like you're at like a wedding reception and then you'll start getting the engagement that you desire. Yeah, that's perfect because, and one of the reasons really to back up that I love like the platforms like Instagram is exactly what you're saying. It's really like a community, like you're building and not so much like building a group of friends, but you're building a community of people that know they can trust you and then you build trust with them and then you can share back and forth and you don't so much concentrate on the sales. You concentrate more on helping the people and giving them Mm -hmm. something that can help them along. And then in turn, like it could lead to sales, but that's not really what your vision is up front. And that's why I love Instagram. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Like you don't get sales with sales pitches. You get sales with conversations that lead to conversions. A hundred percent. Absolutely. So I know that you love Instagram and we've been talking a little bit about Instagram. Do you feel like Instagram is the best place to start in building an online business? No. And my answer depends on number one, who is your customer? And number two, what are you selling? You know, I I think it's easy for people to just claim that Instagram is the place to go. But if you are selling to a demographic of women over the age 55, I don't think Instagram's a platform for you. I think Facebook is. If you're selling to a demographic of um, men who are in a C-suite and they're really just like trying to be as proactive on social as possible, then your content should be squarely on LinkedIn. Like if you are into the like DIY tutorial space, like 100%, you should put all of your effort on YouTube because it's a long-term search engine for visibility, like for visual aspects of whatever it is that you're teaching or doing. Like totally depends on who your customer is and what it is you're selling. So for me, I am a photographer. I am a social strategist. Right now, the fastest and most engaging platform is Instagram on, on, on the macro. Micro, I think that squarely it's TikTok. And I think that TikTok is going to be a it's going to re it's going to force everybody to rethink the way that they're creating content. I love watching it, love consuming it. I don't necessarily think that my customer is on the platform, but the way that the videos are being edited and the way that people are consuming them that way, it's really teaching me how to be avant-garde or how to be the next thinker when it comes to the way that we're editing videos for Instagram, as that is our primary platform at this point in time. But again, that was a very long answer to a short question. Well, I'm just talking so much, you guys. Like, seriously, no, no, I no, just it's... had cold brew before this conversation. And you guys are like, girl, calm down. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Huh? 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 Uh, no. Yeah, that's my answer. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Well, number... Okay. First thing, I don't understand... Take, I, I think it's funny. Brandon showed me a few things. I don't get it. I know I need to get it. I just like... I don't understand who's supposed to be using it. I'm like, are you... What? But I know I need to learn it. So I'll learn it. So it was just funny that you were saying like it totally depends because we have our full-time not side hustle is healthcare and we do have to use Facebook to market because we are marketing that older crowd and like you were saying like the women over 55 and then for obviously fools in love we're all over Instagram and it's just we're totally living that out in real time with you know the different groups and different strategies on each platform. So if you had to give someone just two pieces of advice about using social media to enhance their business, what would you tell them? Post the content that you believe your dream customer wants to see. And I know that there's this temptation that we want to post content that we think is going to get a lot of engagement. And yes, that's true. That's what I want people to want. But I don't want people to post content for engagement at the sake of what their customer wants to see. Like 
if you're having Instagram for your personal desires, post whatever the heck you want, post memes all day, post funny videos, like you do you. But if you're using it for your business, the strategy behind using it for your business is not for you to be popular on social media. It's for you to be profitable. Like what do you think your dream customer wants to see? And then the second best thing that I would recommend is write it, write your captions, write your content, create videos. Like you're talking to a friend. There's no reason why any of us should feel the pressure to make it super professional all the time. In fact, I just don't think that's the nature or the state of social media. So create content your dream customer wants to see and write it and create it like you're talking to a friend. Absolutely. I think it's funny when Brandon and I, because we both post to our account, obviously, and to us, it's so completely obvious like who's talking because we have such different voices and it does sound like I'm talking to my friends and he's talking to his, even though it's the same exact account. Do you think your followers implicitly know it? I think they do. What do you think, B? You know, I, I don't know. I'd like to think they do, but maybe I've have thought about in the past about like making it more obvious that it's like one or the other of us, like maybe just putting our name at the end or something, you know, like sign a little sign off to let them know for sure. I know that when we've talked to people, for example, in the DMs, like when people talk to us, like we have to identify obviously who we are so that it's obvious who they're talking to because it's a lot different, you know, if you're talking to a man versus a woman. So that does get a little like, so I have learned over time to make sure that we're upfront about like who's communicating there because we both use it actively. So, okay. I love that you openly talk about how you're an introvert because from an outsider's perspective, you seem anything but. How have you been able to push past your introversion to reach, teach, and help people? I quickly understood that we all have a purpose. We all have been put on this world to do something. And our objective is to find the thing and have the courage to do it again and again and again. And I am so introverted that when... obviously we've been going through this adoption process for years and there were times where we got really close to being uh, chosen by a birth mom to go through the, to go through the process. And in the times that we got really close, my husband and my mom would talk about throwing me a baby shower. And I said, Oh no, 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 no. I do not want a baby shower. Like, no. Uh, when I got married with JD, I kept on telling people, I don't want a bridal shower. I don't want an engagement shower. I don't want attention on me. It makes me feel like very beholden. It makes me feel very responsible for people's enjoyment. And my mom threw me a surprise bridal shower when I was 25. And I was like, I wanted to die a thousand deaths. Like, I just don't think people really understand how much of an introvert I am. And so when people see videos, when they see me on stage, there's like a, like a disconnect. And I want people to see that and say, that is a girl who is wildly uncomfortable doing what she does, but she's doing it because she's in her purpose. If I didn't step on a stage, if I didn't make videos, if it didn't create content, if I didn't lead the way, I would be robbing God and I would be robbing the universe of what I was here to do. Will I let my emotions, will I let my finite mind get in the way of my infinite purpose and the reason I'm here? No. I show up in the sticky and in the uncomfortable. I show up boldly and I stand courageously in the face of things I do not want to do because I know that I am here to serve others 
empower them and teach them. And I also know that I'm here to do something amazing with my team. Every morning when I think of the thing that I don't want to do that day, if it's in front of a crowd, I think this is what you were made to do. And I know that is uncomfortable, but you will do it anyway, because this is beyond you. This is beyond your fears. This is beyond your doubt. This is beyond your uncomfortability. This is for somebody else. And I think I am empowered to stand on the stage or do something wildly different than what I do because I think of the other person more than I think of myself in that situation. Right. And that's so powerful because like so often we hear like people get stuck in the, in the fixed mindset and they see like, they think like, well, I'm an, I'm an introvert, much like you said. And they think, well, it's not, it's not possible for me to do that. So it's just so powerful to look at someone like you or a lot of the other people like we look up to in the field that just a lot of them are introverted. It's, it's really unbelievable. It's like, I don't know if there was a seminar for introverts that like taught them to be really good speakers, but like, or that you could identify with them. But like, it, I love that you can say that because most people would look at you and think if you didn't say it, no one would think that you were an actual introvert. Like no one would. So they could use that as an excuse but now that they know that you are, it's even more powerful when they can see you doing what you're doing and living in your purpose, just as you said, because it's just empowering them to know that they can push past that fear and they can grow into the person they're meant to be. Amen. <laughs> so I really personally admire your drive and your energy. And I often tell Megan, like, you're just always on Jasmine. Like you're always there. You're always in front of me. And I, I just want to ask, like, how are you able to motivate yourself to just constantly strive and continue to pursue your dreams? You know, um, my mom was 50 years old and I was 25 when the doctors had decided to uh, take a step back from her eight and a half year battle with brain cancer. This is when they were going to pull her off from all of her uh, medications and uh, chemotherapy and radiation. And that was just kind of it. And I remember multiple times with my mom being hospitalized or my mom just laying on the couch. And the conversations that we would have at her darkest times were never about the things that she had done or accomplished. It was always about the things that she hadn't done or the places she hadn't traveled or the things that she hadn't said or her long-term dream of writing children's books had never come to fruition. And I think that when, and my mom, uh, my mom has always been ill. She's always had like health issues stemming from very early in age and being the eldest of five children, I kind of just stepped into the role of being really responsible and being very, her strong caretaker. And I think that it shaped me in such a way that like the reality of life is but like a flicker of a flame. And I was slapped with the realization that we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. And I think to myself, like I show up with the energy and the chutzpah and the, and the fortitude that I have, because I'm like, if I go home today, it's been good. It's been a good run. And I think that when I understand that tomorrow, my whole world can shift, that the eight, nine, 10 people who are like, mean the world to me, like that are my lifeblood, if they disappeared, that that changes things. And so for today, that I realize just how good and powerful life is. I'm going to walk around and know just how dang lucky I am. Oh, that's beautifully said. For sure. I agree. Every bit of that. I just feel that. And I feel the emotion behind you saying that. We're going to let us, we're just going to wrap up here. We want, we know you want to get to Luna. We know you got things to do. We just want to say thank you so, so much for coming on today. We've really enjoyed talking to you. 
Yeah, Jasmine, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on. Like I say, we, we really look up to you in the space and you really are making a difference. So I just want to encourage you with that today. I know a lot of times it can get lost. Like you said, you, you know, you see the Forbes magazine, you see the stuff and, and, and I, I know you're making an impact. I see it every day. You've made an impact on us individually and I know that you're helping a lot of other people. So I just appreciate what you're doing. Well, I appreciate you both very, very, very much. I appreciate you guys showing up in both the Revenue Generator and the Side Hustle and taking people on that journey. Thank you for allowing me the time and to share your platform. It is, I, it is not, it's not a small thing. So I just want to say how much I appreciate you both too. Hey, B, what did you think of that episode? I think it was pretty dang good. Well, what should someone do if they enjoyed these last 30 minutes? They should probably head over and leave us a review so we can reach more people. They definitely should. Guys, if you like the Fools in Love podcast, please go follow us over on Instagram at Fools in Love podcast. We'd love to connect with you and learn more about what you'd like to hear.